0: All right, today we have Brendan Ryder on the show. It's gonna be a fun one. We go over some awesome topics here. We started off talking about the NBA injury bug. What should we do? What would you do? What can we possibly do? Does it have to do with pace of play? Does it have to do with economics? What is going on here and what made Stan Van Gundy just so mad? Secondly, we talk about the G League. This ties in with our NBA discussion. When we talk about the G League, is it even real? Should they make some changes? Can we change the NBA to actually put a greater emphasis on player development in the G League and what we can do there? Lastly, which also connects nicely with the G League, is college basketball. Is college basketball no fun anymore? Name some stars right now who you are excited to watch in college basketball. Probably not many. Now we'll talk about why that's the case and what are some things we might want to do to spice things up a little bit, which leads into our last segment a fun, fun guess your top five. Brendan gets hit with five random rules and rule changes that is to basketball. And he has to decide real time where he would rank that in his top five. Now, remember with this guessing game, he doesn't know ahead of time. So as he gets the rule change, he has to guess one through five where he would put it without knowing the other rules. So again, thank you as always for tuning into the truth hoops podcast. Excited for you guys. To listen, to this one, let's get it underway welcome everyone we have a friend of the show a dear friend a worker on the show not even a friend of the show a man of the show brendan Ryder, former division three basketball player so he had some hoops knowledge worked actually with at the time the pac-10 wasn't it pac-10 was it no no i
1: was still pac-12 networks it was pac-12 so we had utah and colorado in there see i'm I'm like pac-12
0: i'm artificially dating ourselves that's not.
1: I mean, we grew up with the Pac-10. That's very real and now to see, you know, UCLA and USC move to the Big 10, that
0: that just doesn't sit right with
1: me, but so we're on you know, the we'll Pac-
0: see what that leads to. Former Pac-12 employee. Wow. Our producer now. Um going to share some insights today with us and we have a fun fun podcast for everyone We'll talk a little bit about um well let's just get right into the relevant stuff that you guys might have seen on Twitter. Stan with Jeff, Van, Stan Van Gundy, one of the Van Gundy brothers, Stan Van Gundy kind of Stan, yeah. um, initiated this whole cascade of events when he started, was he complaining about players being hurt? I'm not sure the exact origins of this, but I just saw that he said, uh, Kevin Durant said he's spitting and then Stan <laughs> didn't know what that meant and thought it yeah, meant like he wasn't speaking facts, but then he was. So what's the yeah. exact Stan tweet? Do you have that up? Read that. Further. Yeah, so I,
1: I I do have the tweet. So Stan tweets this is January 17th of this year, says nineties NBA teams just had a trainer and a strength coach. They practice more often and harder and played more back to backs. Teams now have huge medical and performance staffs and value rest over practice, yet injury and games missed our way up. Something's not working. Um, and then to that, that's where KD replied, Stan spitting. And then there's where the funny miscommunication was Stan had no idea that KD's actually on his side. Um, but Stan raises some pretty interesting points. Um, you know, specifically with kind of the uh change in staff over the years, and how we have a lot more performance staff, sports scientists like yourself, Max, that are really able to kind of um, quantify a lot of this data and um, at least provide some good recommendations on how maybe to prevent injuries. But to Stan's point, um the things that have been implemented just don't seem to be working players are missing so many games oh, a huge issue Stan. In the league.
0: oh so. Stan Paul Favre kind of iced this one out pretty well I'll give Paul a plug I thought I'll call Paul and put him on this episode but let's give him the plug anyway he went through some of the data and looked at other sports and correlations to injury and there's like two major correlations to injury in sports in general one's gonna be basketball specific and one's general one the first one is like movement velocity just how fast you're moving the pace of play in the nba is faster quantifiably um the the movements are faster people are jumping higher people are running faster so what do you just by nature you're going to have an increase in injuries whether or not you argue the severity of injuries we can get back into that in a second Um, but the, just the general occurrence of an injury will be higher by just default of having to run faster. And the second one is like high velocity drives to the hoop. There are more high velocity drives to the hoop now than there used to be more off of one foot, more falls, more contacts, um, in air, which naturally is going to lead to more injuries. And so I don't even think this is actually an injury argument though. That's my beef with this. I think it's partially an injury argument. Mm. I think it's an evaluation of risk. And I think that's where Stan Van Gundy is all wrong because it's not a matter of is someone like catastrophically hurt more or less often. It's the highest likelihood of an injury to get hurt is actually being hurt already. So any minor injury, if you're dealing with a guy who's valued at, you know, $30 million a year. What's the point if your risk is high, even with the mildest of injury, like a sore knee that you bumped on a dresser. When the person's that valuable, it's really an issue of how valuable each game is. Because what the teams have done, they've waited and they've said, look, we don't value every game the same. We value playoff games to be more valuable. Um, So therefore, we're going to make sure at all costs our athletes are available for the playoffs. As a matter of fact, we don't even really pay them for the regular season. (laughs) We pay them (laughs) for their performance in the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard is like the perfect example. And so Stan's complaining of like, oh, we have all these resources, which you could also argue the resources really aren't there either. You're paying one player $30 million and a performance staff at most. The entire performance staff, maybe a million dollars in combined salaries, 1.2. So you're not even... A, a tenth of your highest paid players <laughs> allocated season salary to performance staff. So it's very asymmetrical there. So, despite having people, you can't just say that people there are doing a, an effective job with resources because they themselves might not be funded like a player is being funded. And so, right. I think we have a a series, an intertwined web of economics and actually. Maybe some more injuries occurring here that cause teams for people to not have players play. But when you sign someone to a four-year contract, the biggest risk you can have financially is not for the player to to not play well. It's to not play the last two years of the contract because he's hurt. Because this is guaranteed NBA money. And so even if you sacrifice in totality Partial, like an aggregate of a year of playing because you've missed 25 games every year, but you're able to contribute to wins each year. And most importantly, the most important time of the year, the playoffs, then the team can appraise that as a value that they can accept. And so I hate hearing players talk about this. I hate hearing coaches talk about it because it's economics. It's about them dollar signs. And no right. one thinks about that. No one's stands. oh, you know, oh, people are getting hurt. Something's not working. And the players go, we don't. We want to play less games and travel more and get paid more. And the whole thing is just silly. The whole thing is factually silly. Um, and I see, heard some debates as to how they can fix this play through bumps and bruises kind of things. Um, and Bill Simmons brought a couple up. And it's like, maybe you have to play X number of games, whatever the strict line is. To be even considered for all-star, even considered for all-NBA, which are often heavily incentivized bonuses in players' contracts, maybe you go as far that they can't even get the playoff incentives. Because people don't realize this. (laughs) When you win a playoff round, you get paid a crap ton of money. You get paid way more. You literally make more money when you win a playoff round than when you do win any game in the regular season. The bonus for winning a playoff round is huge. So there's literally more financial incentive for the athlete to play for himself in the playoffs than it is for regular season.
1: Yeah. And I think, Max, you also kind of alluded to it a bit in in how things have changed so much, not in just the athletes like you were talking about. I think it's it's very clear athletes today, bigger, stronger, faster, which is gonna lead to more injuries, you know, because there's more force. There's more, you know, variability in there that will lead to injuries. But an interesting kind of um, point here is, too, how the game has completely changed. Um, And now I'm just kind of using my general observations. But, you know, back in the 90s, early 2000s, strength was probably a big um, incentive for players to have and to increase. You look at Jordan in the last dance. They talk about his next step was, was really improving his strength, getting stronger so he could deal with those Pistons teams. But if you look at the game now, everything is so spread out. So you're looking at covering way more space, you're running way more distances between each possession. Um, and it's a different type of stress on the body. And there was this study done uh, by PLOS One by these four different uh, sports scientists. And they were really trying to focus on what type of injuries are most common, uh, specifically pre and post COVID. Um, so the timeline's a little bit skewed here, not quite. Uh, what I was looking at from comparing the 90s to today, but even just from the early 2010s uh, to now, we're seeing a huge increase in these different types of injuries that were previously very uncommon. And a lot of those are abductor, hip, and groin injuries, where you know, back in the 90s, you're looking at a lot of knee ankles kind of kind of injuries, where here now we're looking at a whole different type of, of injury that the league is dealing with. Um, and I just kind of want to get your opinion on what you think. The kind of change in how the game is played is um, kind of contributed to that. Cause we look at Steph, he's totally revolutionized basketball. Everything's just pace and space. Um, and I know that, you know, I, I would imagine that has a huge impact on, you know, the stress on the athlete's body and kind of how they need to change the way they prepare for the season and uh, for the postseason, uh, especially.
0: Yeah. It's a tough question because you can't get the true granular facts like is it actually an injury are they just calling it an abductor because he's sore and they don't want him to have an actual adductor strain and so it's just increase in diagnoses and so when you have like a very nebulous thing like a hip where you can't like point to like a play typically like oh that's the hip play like and yeah, you can get, I mean, I'm 30 years old. You wake up and you come out of bed sometimes. Now that I'm not 19, I'm sure if you're 40 or 50, you listen to this, that you, you might be having some hip pain too, low back pain. The question is, would people even consider evaluating that in the past? Would the player even go to the trainer? Because the athlete goes to the trainer with pain. That exchange isn't going to end with, he's not hurt. Mm. It's not how it's going to happen with a trainer-player interaction. There's going to be some sort of a quote-unquote diagnosis or appraisal of an injury. So the trainer is never in power, and this shouldn't be this way either, to say yes or no, that's hurt. Now, the same thing, maybe back in the 90s, that wasn't even reported. Oh, I'm hurt, my hip hurts. But that guy's not making that much money. And the way the game is played culturally, you're going to play through it. And so the, the athletic trainer or whoever is doing it isn't going to say, oh, you know, you're hurt. Cause apparently Jordan had severe tendonitis numerous years, maybe even throughout his whole career, but maybe that was just the cost of doing business for him. And so would he have been sat more often out of fear? Cause at the time people didn't realize how valuable Jordan was. He was so undervalued that when you watch the last dance, he literally retired on his and like his prime. And nowadays you can't even imagine that you would, You would sit him for a year if he wanted to just to recover and would pay him absorbent amounts of money just to possibly play in the playoffs. But nowadays we don't do that. And so, yeah, you could say the pace of play, the game is different. People do more crossovers, change of direction, lateral movements. And I'm sure that contributes to possible injuries. Shoes are important. Shoes grip more. They allow you to get different friction forces so you can lean more. You're not playing and... Chuck Taylor's where you can't cut and you're also often in like a very compact position um but again, understanding how basketball works nowadays is really important. The trainer who's making shoot a 100k maybe who's gonna evaluate an athlete who's worth 30 million dollars and there's even an ounce of like hey, I'm kind of hurt oh you know sit him because if he gets hurt, you gotta realize that's 300 times that person's salary who just got hurt. They right. could hire 300 trainers over one year, missed of a player's making 30 million a year. Just put that in perspective for a second, right? Isn't that the math? Is that hundred times? Yeah, because three is 30 is 30, 30 is three. So yeah, 300 times the salary of that person. So you don't think there's a like some level of catering going on there. I'm not saying there shouldn't be, but just let's be honest, people. This is how it works.
1: Right, so I, I guess, and this is the million-dollar question we're asking right now: what's what's the solution in the modern NBA? Um, and that's you know the question the league I think currently is really trying to figure out because it's it's uh, killing the it fan best. experience. Little, little Wayne did. said it
0: best: <laughs> All right. "Money talks, bullshit walks."
1: <laughs> that's that's so, the easiest thing. It's this, so it's, with that Wayne bar in mind, I guess what what does the league need to do? You got to right
0: incentivize now? players. Maybe you got to. NFL, I mean it's NBA's the most player-friendly league of all the Which leagues.
1: Which is where I think they run into a lot of issues, right? Because how's the player association going to take these new incentives to, you know, you got to play at least 70 games or whatever it is, 60 games to be eligible for all NBA um accolades.
0: If, if I am I'm not pro this option, but if you're an NBA team, I gosh, I'm even saying this for guys who are NBA players, right? You don't want it to be that way. You want guys to get paid, but NFL ain't guaranteed, man. You can get cut, you lose your money. You get hurt, you lose your money. Yeah. You, they can cut you whenever. NBA is all guaranteed. They cut people and just pay them $2 million the next year on salary just because it's guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. And so it's you, you walk a very tricky situation there. Um, I don't know if giving percentage of ticket sales would be something. Active players get percentage of ticket sales for game. Um, you could start to have certain valuations on players and if they don't play, you know, the games aren't, I don't, I don't even know how to to begin. You have to like have some scalability of this person's responsible for X number of tickets when he plays. So when he doesn't play, he doesn't get that money. Um, cause I, I again, awards are one thing. Maybe you somehow, make the regular season mean more? Cause that's probably the most obvious situation is how do I make right. the regular season mean more, but at the same time have enough games to make more money. Like Bill Simmons said, people like they raised it to 82 games because NBA needed more money. <laughs> right. And so how do you get more money if, per, while lessening the number of games? Uh, like are the media rates going to suffer there or it's so complicated and it's kind of a Pandora's box situation you could penalize draft picks, essentially, maybe could be your means of doing that because then you incentivize GMs to get players to play. Um, And then if someone's actually hurt, how do you make sure he does sit? There's a lot of...
1: That's true. How do you protect the player from themselves? You yeah, know, that's, that's a huge know. Is, is that an issue in the NBA, though? That's, uh, I don't know. It seems like players are more willing to take that rest than risk, you know, a further injury. You look at Brandon Ingram. I don't know what that toe injury was, but he was out since November and he's just finally getting back this week. Um, And, you know, like you said, he has that guaranteed money. So what's the point of going out there and risking, you know, basically just exacerbating what could be a minor injury? Uh, But but is it worth missing three months of the season? I'm sure the Pelicans aren't happy (laughs) with with that, you know, injury report. So it's like you said, it's walking that tight line. But I wonder if you know or if we're looking at the season. What are your thoughts on maybe eliminating back-to-backs? You know, we we keep an 82 game season, but we expand it. You know, I don't See, I don't know I, what I the kind media title rats would look like there, but
0: I think if you eliminate travel. the
1: back-to-backs, yeah.
0: So if you look at the schedule, all these get they play like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Mo- like Tuesday, because it's every other day. I'm not totally against playing back-to-backs, but I think they should stay in the same city, play a baseball, play three games in four days. You have two-way players for a reason
1: mm, i like that idea like you really you really just do like a your whole three game series remember in in the bubble week? guys
0: were playing yeah. out of their minds because they got to settle go play a series go play your three games there and if you have three games there and certain players are going to sit certain games you can announce that beforehand so when people buy tickets they know and you can play three games in four days and then you have four days off you travel the next city you just kind of play these You still, people won't like hearing that, but look, you have 14 guys on a roster. Challenge the coach to coach. Don't just roll the best five out and play basketball. Right. Like a baseball manager has to adjust different pitchers, pitch every, you don't just get to pitch the best player pitcher every game. You have to, you pitch different pitchers, you have different rotations, you have different lineups. And with that, it gives the G league more credence because it puts, you could even expand the roster a hair. You could have four two way guys. Then it has the bench depth matters and you go and you have to go play these games. And then it's up to the coach to really coach, um, beyond yeah. just end game stuff. I think that's the best option. In my opinion, I think that's really, you go somewhere, you go for five days, you play three games, you get out. Cause that's the same three games and five, go to the next place, take your break in between three games, four games, get out. And then if you're in a like, home stand, you can churn faster, right? If you're at home, right. You could do, Three games in five days, and then another three games in five days because you're staying at home, versus like if you travel for that, then you have to take a X period of time off.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I, I'm guessing the scheduling logistics for that would would be pretty nightmarish. But then let's let's assume that's an option, and and you know there's enough data to support it. The NBA bites at it. Does the postseason follow the same schedule it currently has? Because now you're moving from a season of Okay, I'm a player. I'm expecting to have three games. You know, if I'm a Warriors player, I'm playing three games at Chase Center this week. But now, okay, we got to the postseason. I'm making it to the semis, the conference finals. Now I'm playing every other day again, traveling back and forth. Are you worried about that stress on the player? Are you worried about them breaking down in the postseason? Do we need to shift the thinking of how we schedule a postseason? Or does that all stay consistent with how it currently is?
0: Is it an issue right now? Until it's an issue, don't fix it.
1: I guess not. I guess not in the playoffs, but I, yes, I wonder is. if if we're not matching kind of the styles between the regular season and the playoffs, how that would mess with the player physically and mentally. Because um, now you're talking playoffs. about it's all a huge anyway. strain and traveling.
0: It's all different anyway. You enter a different world. That's you gotta. You know, no one's complaining because instead of like March Madness, the players don't go now. We're playing Friday, Sunday. I forgot how to play basketball. <laughs> I mean, those guys
1: are also playing 30 games a season (laughs) compared to 82, right? That's a bit of an apples to oranges. You would have less total
0: minutes in the the method I suggested. You'd have less total Of travel. And playing. Guys wouldn't play. You wouldn't play Giannis 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes. Mm. In the same way, you're not going to pitch a pitcher 110 pitches every game. Right? You're going to make sure that teams, and this is going to be so important because it explains This goes right into our next topic where the G League isn't real. The G League doesn't exist. The real issue is G League for the NBA is just the most bizarre form of basketball you'll ever witness. You look at all the scoring leaders. I made a TikTok on this. Go through it. Guys who've led scoring in G League, they don't do anything. Like if this, you don't lead the NBA and scoring and do nothing. You don't lead college basketball and scoring and do nothing. You don't lead high school basketball. It's the only league in existence. Where if you lead it in scoring, it has no ramifications on your success at the next level. And so right now, the G League is suffering from a a basketball standpoint because there isn't a huge emphasis on player dev if you just look at it logically speaking. If you look at guys who play on two-way contracts or guys who are in um, even, I guess, a 10-day supposedly, or guys who get reassigned down there, they're making so much more dinero than the guys on the team. Like you make like 30 K 35 K playing in the G league, but then you get guys who are on contracts for $2.5 million that you're playing in the same team. So the question is how can I place an emphasis on player development the same way a farm system does in baseball? Well, let's make the roster larger in the NBA. So now we have to play these multiple games in a row or multiple games in a series, for example, over four days. And now we can't play every player 40 minutes. So I'm gonna have to play the guys who I've been developing in the G League. And so now it places an emphasis on the development. So, guys, if you have more guys who have the option to actually make it on an NBA team, the play of basketball in the G League will naturally get better. Cause right now there's like, if you look at every team, there's like 10 guys who won't touch an NBA roster ever on like every team. And it's really unfortunate. And not saying that the G League is a bad situation because it offers wonderful things but it's just like how do you fix this this like randomness of basketball going on here and i think that ties into how you would change the schedule and yeah. make it way more uniform in terms of how you're trying to develop guys there what roles they'll play then have them go play uh and that i think that's one option to do or the other option you take the g league and you put the whole thing overseas mm-hmm. you make it an overseas and, make- and that's been a
1: huge you know it's not incentive but a huge um basically just objective for the nba is to make this league much more global but the but the g league right now is, as i'm looking at it i feel like it's a league where the nba can just be completely experimental with right now specifically different rules and rule changes um you know you look at the all-star scoring and how they've changed that you know that began in the g league um and i know the nba is looking at this mid-season tournament and they'll, they're going to experiment it in the g league so the G League's value in the player development area is definitely lacking, and I 100% agree with you. You know, you're looking at these rosters; 90% of those guys just won't make it up, you know, to the to the actual big show. But there's a lot of value there right now with how they're kind of experimenting with moving basketball forward. But specifically if they don't NBA play, basketball.
0: if they don't play like an NBA team, it's not really experimental. It's just like a men's league. Not that the G League is not a men's league. That's a bad take. That's how I'm trying to say. The point is, it's. it's, but a, it's a, I, I see what you're saying. It's a, it's, but... a, it's a non-specific experiment. Look at the G League scores. We watched. It's like eight hundred to four hundred in a game. It's like the most absurd, like zero defense. It's like some pseudo hybrid AAU game being played. And I think it comes down to a: the guys don't get paid enough. Right, you're getting paid no money. What's the incentive? To, like okay like and then you're trying to get into a situation because it's so difficult to get into a team as you show you can walk through the players who lead and scores in a second if you can't actually make it to the NBA or make it I don't know the rosters aren't flexible enough to allow it hmm. then then why are you going to you know cater to a specific certain role this team might want you to do despite the team never actually investing in you and that's where that expansion of, uh, of like these hybrid players would make sense because right now you can have a two-way guy, but they don't even play. It's so like, yeah. cool. You got a two-way guy. We've incentivized a G league, but they don't play. So, okay. Why don't I make it? So the two-way guys have to play. We have to have these guys play.
1: And um, like you said, then you, then you're forced as an organization and a team to invest in your player development. You can't just throw a, a 15th guy on the bench is going to get 15 minutes
0: one game right. in that series. And he might be the reason why you win or lose. So
1: I guess if we also look at the G League um, in kind of the lens of how like Prem League soccer does their club systems, what are your thoughts on maybe using the G League as more of a purely player development spot? You know, we eliminate a lot of this AAU, you know, trouble that we have, and we just have the best players identified from a young age, and they're just brought up in these G League systems, you know, kind of similar to club soccer.
0: Now... Uh, I've been to the club soccer places overseas, man. It's a different world. They like dorm I mean, them completely. there. That's crazy. It's almost like militaristic. I mean, how different
1: is it from IMG Academy, Oak Hill, and these different more. academies they that are
0: just they're they're literally like in. But in terms
1: of the structure of it, what's the point of 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 you going to IMG Academy to play football? What's the point? Are you there to get an education? No, you're there to get recruited. You're gonna go play Division One basketball. You're you're that's the first step to getting to the pro league in the United States, right? If you're going to go to one of those academies, every Oak Hill player, their their plan is to go to Oak Hill, hoop there for four years, go D1, one and done, right? So, I mean, we kind of have that system right now with these high school academies. So I'm wondering if the NBA just looks at that and says, why don't we just provide this in the G League? And we're seeing it now with the one and done guys that go straight G League and then to the league. So, It's
0: a viewership though. Like, why would you want, I would rather watch competitive high school basketball because guys are playing really hard because they still have to make it somewhere. And you just watch, you would just go watch a G league game. I've watched too many. All right. I have ESPN plus on my Hulu and hello, G league games on. And I watch them all and I flip through them all. And I say this about summer league too. Just just like a dangling carrot. This makes no sense just to watch. You watch college basketball and that's people are playing for the school. And then you watch guys overseas they're playing because those areas have huge fan support in the big ones, and the G League games are empty. I watch a G League game like nine people in the crowd.
1: So how? Well, like, imagine, imagine if you're going to go to a G League game and literally the nation's top fifty players all signed to G League teams. That's that's more interesting to watch than a bunch of guys trying to make it in the league. Wouldn't you no, say? I mean, if you change question. that league, it, it, you're gonna it, the product's gonna change with it.
0: So let's get into that right now. Then, so is it, college basketball, name one star right now.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd say, you know, uh, Jaime from UCLA So about all I
0: got. Exactly. So that's all I really got. who are I the really 50 got. college basketball players we're putting in the G League right now who are going to make make people pay attention? That's the real issue. Well, I th- uh, 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 I but look think- at the
1: NCAA. Is this, I mean, that is that more of an NCAA problem, though, right now? Because college basketball is a terrible product. And we are going to get into that as well on some rule changes that we think can at least help make the game a little bit more watchable. And in my opinion, take the game out of the coach's hands so much. But I don't know. I don't know if that's a one-to-one comparison if we're looking at, you know, the current state of the NCAA versus the G League and if we well, change you're arguing, kind of the thinking behind it.
0: You're arguing that if you take the top 50 high school players and put them in the G League, it would draw attention. Yet the top 50 high school players go to the NCAA and you can't even name them right now.
1: Do they all go to the NCAA? A lot of them do Majority. go to the G League. Bunch no. Of them going overseas.
0: no. Yeah, you know. a lot of the best guys are now going
1: to different places. And then you know, NCAA basketball compared to NBA basketball, just the rules, just the rules themselves. The NBA is a better product, it's way more entertaining. So, if you're going to have these 50 best players playing in NCAA, you know, uh, uh, Tom Izzo systems, uh, Jim Bayheim systems, these very regimented, no freedom type of basketball systems, which provide their own value, sure. But if you take all those kids, insanely talented kids, and plop them into an NBA style of basketball, it's going to be way more entertaining. It's going to be way more fun to watch.
0: Let's talk about this. College football, relative to NFL, are of equal entertainment, in my opinion. I think people like college football sometimes more than the NFL. I agree with that, yeah. I don't think anyone in the past three years, a lot of people don't like the NBA either, by the way. Well, well, right now think, the product's
1: pretty bad. I, I'm, I can't lie. I,
0: I don't it's think great. they would hold college basketball on the pedestal that it used to be on 10 years ago. And I think the reason why is people in college football, the reason why we love college football is because of the disparity between great athletes and the athletes they get to play against who aren't very good. Like, what's not fun? Or what's more, what, what's, you know, how's it not fun to watch Reggie Bush? Run for 800,000 yards in a game. It's amazing. (laughs) And so the question is, how can we continue to highlight players' talents? And I think college football does a lot of things that are not interfering with the player talent. And what I mean by that is that it's not like, oh, in college football, you can't run a motion offense. I mean, emotional. I mean, you can't run, you can't put someone in motion or you can't run a spread. But in college basketball, you can't, you can run a zone. You can run these things that like literally hinder the athleticism of players right um exactly And I, think I, mean, I mean i
1: would argue college football rules are are built more for big explosive plays and highlighting those player you know type of uh, skills and their just overall athleticism like you were saying um i mean look at just college offense college football offense it's now finally creeping into the nfl and it's it was it's all just big play potential and then you just you, you juxtapose that with college basketball it's just the polar opposite It's like the game wants these really fun, athletic players to just be, here's your role. You're sticking to it. That's all you're doing. You're not shooting 15 footers, Mr. Four man. All you're going to be doing is boxing out and getting rebounds. That's all you're doing. And if you catch it in the mid post, it's either quick swing to the wing, or you're going to dump it down low to the center. Those are your options.
0: I think college basketball is too physical in the, in the paint. I think it needs to be more physical in the perimeter and far less physical in the paint. I think NBA Rafinha does a better job. NBA, it seems like the first contact is ownership to the defense and the offense. So like you watch Drew Holiday play defense, he's very physical in the first contact. The second and third are owned by the offense. Mm -hmm. So if you establish angle on the offensive end, then you can't get really hit again. I watch college basketball game. These guys get like sideswiped on the head. Shooting, yeah, no, I mean,
1: the, the, the bangs in college basketball, it's extremely physical. And then, you know, no defensive three seconds. The lane is just a complete nightmare all the time. There's no space. Shorten um, the shot clock. Yeah. Bring it down to 20. Play NBA rules. That's, like- that's what I don't get. Why doesn't the NCAA just just have it just have your college basketball system just prepare players for the NBA? Right, it, that's going to give you the most entertaining product, is it not? And that's the whole goal of the NCAA. They don't care about actual student athletes getting their degree. They want an entertaining product that will sell.
0: And no one really it, cares in terms of like stats. They're not like heralded like baseball, where oh, I can't, I can't do that because I don't want to ruin the 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 significance of the home run champ or whatever. Like no one knows college basketball stats. You can make it. 24 seconds. If someone beats Doug McDermott's all time NCAA leading score record, who cares? Like no one cares. It's fine. Yeah. We want to watch fun games. We want to watch exciting stuff. Um, and I think it's it kind of, it's all tied together because right now you have the college product, not preparing people for the NBA. So when college kids go to the G league, you don't have this like continuity. It's like this new form of basketball. And so that leads new. like yeah. the brand of basketball to like this be this weird chaotic entity. And then you have the NBA, which exists, but then you have people when they are good enough, they, they, they are no pressure to play because there's there's too much of disparity. Like, what are you gonna say? Who's the other Kevin Durant laying around? Like <laughs> right, you, right. you can't just and there's no no one to force their hand because the regular season doesn't matter. And then you might sit a couple of guys, but because the games are essentially rotational in terms of like every other day you can play the same seven guys a lot of minutes and then you're not forced to have any of the development in the g league so it's kind of like this chicken or the egg phenomenon where we're having a problem where you can't just pick some guy off the g league g league and put him in a game and you might like be the reason why you lose all of a sudden nowadays because mm-hmm. they're not ready for it And right. why aren't they ready they've been playing basketball. you know we get lots of guys who are 19 who are ready but why aren't these guys so it's it's a i don't call it frustrating but it's definitely a a tough problem that the nba is now in a kind of back against the wall to figure it out we'll see what happens
1: yeah yeah i think there's a lot of things they obviously have to (laughs) kind of rethink um but that's the one thing i appreciate about a league like the nba you know they're not just going to sit on what's worked for them especially with adam silver as their commissioner i mean he's going to play with a bunch of different ideas and find a solution to these things and these problems. But um, I, I love the idea of leveraging the G league a little bit more. Um, I feel like there's so much potential there Um, and they're figuring it out. You know, I, I think with how creative they're being with that league, I love it. But I think to your point, the, the next step I think is including player development in there. um, And I think that will help with a lot of the, the injury issues we're looking at and we're seeing.
0: All right. Um, oh yeah. I agree. I, listeners. Look, if you have an opinion, let us know, comment, share, you know, whatever your thought is that we should do. Um, please feel free. To, we're open-minded because even though we're right, we're open-minded. We're um, like the
1: G League. We're we're trying to experiment. <laughs> we're looking for what'll
0: work. <laughs> well, what's your opinion? Like if you're a listener, what do you think would be an effective change for the rules? What would you do? Because these all appear to be intertwined. Um, we're going to take a break. And we got one last topic right here. It's going to be a, a, a ranking of the top five. I'm going to present Brendan with five random rule changes to the NBA. He doesn't know what these rule changes are yet. I did not send it ahead of time. And he will have to rank as they come in one to five. So without knowing the, the other ones, he has to guess where he would rank the rule changes.
1: Just putting me way on the spot here. This All right, we'll this, take a break. and We'll come back to it.
0: All right, we are back and we have the top five rule changes Brendan has to put together as they come in. So this is kind of a think on your feet game. Brendan does not know the rule changes. So as you listen to this, you have to try and rank along with us or with Brendan in this case, where you would put these rule changes. One being the best, five being the worst. We're going to start it off here. We're going to go one at a time in no particular order. First one is, should there be, or I guess I'm not saying should there be, it is a rule change. Rule change one
1: four-point line oh five last i (laughs) I despise the idea of a four-point line that just makes the game so gimmicky and campy it's fine with the three-point line let's work on getting that we have enough space we don't need a four-point line now the range of like players like steph clay dame um it's it'd be fun to see a four-point line maybe for a few games but no, I I, that, I I hate I hate that rule. That I put that dead last. That's extremely last. aggressive for not knowing my other rules. I I already I, I guess so, but I'm I'm letting you know I do not like the four-point line idea. I hope that that that's that number stays. two.
0: Number two, we adopt the European goaltending rule where you can hit the ball I, out of the cylinder while it's live.
1: Okay, yeah. I put that God guy, I gotta know what your other options are. This is rough. I put that at two, honestly. I love watching That idea. Then we eliminate this whole issue of the offensive goaltending problem, um, and people can be way more aggressive um, when that ball is on the rim. I I actually really love that idea. I love when I watch FIBA and I I see these guys just slapping the ball off the rim. I think it makes defense way more dynamic, um, and it makes things a lot more clear from the offensive side when you can touch the ball when you can't. So, yeah, I put that at two.
0: All right, number three. Actually called on ball. Defensive four second count.
1: So four seconds. So we're eliminating a second from the five. They don't even college.
0: call the five. I think it's off. It's a live. If you have a live dribble, they don't call it anymore. And back in the day, it used to be a live dribble. Used to be when we were in high school, it counted, but now they got rid of it totally. A live are live mm-hmm. dribble, you can't pick up a five count. Should they introduce a four count on a live dribble?
1: In the NBA, I, I don't think it's that needed. I haven't seen it be an issue. I'll put that at four right behind uh the stupid four-point line. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need to explain much more. I, Fair I mean, for I, I don't see a lot of NBA guards just holding the ball at the top of the key for the whole shot clock, or you know them just trying to ice the game. I think a twenty-four second shot clock eliminates a lot of this kind of stalling. Really, we don't see Luca dribble see, the ball so. for nine minutes. That is true. I mean, but how do you stop my that? Opinion, in I, the
0: current rules, in the current rules, there isn't a defensive mechanism that can stop that. The four second rule allows a defender at least creep in the paint for three of them.
1: You know, it's something to think about, but I'll still put it at four. I, I still just don't think it's that needed. I know I know people look at the James Harden style of play, the Luca Doncha style of play and they don't like it, but I don't think it's that big of an issue.
0: All right, rule number four. If you as a team miss four three pointers in a row, the fifth miss counts as a personal foul on the shooter.
1: Oh, wow this is out definitely a uh, out of the box type of rule i I really like this actually the more i'm thinking about it because um, the then you're eliminating all this shot jacking exactly yeah. you can't just huck a bunch of threes um i mean my only slot for it it's not one so i guess i kind of stick it at three um so i'll go three i i like that rule that's an interesting idea to really limit the amount of just shots you could jack up My boy Russ, if you could see him up there, might have an issue with it. Hopefully he doesn't shoot that many threes, but
0: number five. Getting hot. Anything above three makes in a row is worth three points. So if you make three twos in a row, like the old NBA. This is my number
1: one. That's terrible. Uh, all right so if you hit three straight you're getting an additional point you said for every basket yep every basket so if i let's say i had three layups in a row my fourth layups worth three points as a team, if i hit yep. that three it's a four okay as a team too
0: so it's encouraging the reintroduction in high it, it now removes effective field goal percentage we don't see three point hucking because if you can make three twos in a row then you're getting that
1: pointer. extra point there
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's a yeah does sound good little, at first but it's I was gonna say good. at
1: first i was a little a little nervous about that but um we're not nervous but i wasn't so sure yeah the way you position that it, it kind of would also make teams be a little bit more careful with their offensive possessions and not be so quick to shoot the first three that they see um god that'd be so interesting for pace too how would that influence pace i i guess i gotta put it at one because that's the only slot i have open um Kind of a terrible strategy by me. I should yeah, have definitely put the one I liked most when I heard it at one. But, um, yeah, I, I guess that's my list there. I'll keep that one at one. So my my favorite rule, according to this game, is going to be uh, three straight makes equals an additional point on the next basket for the team.
0: there's, there's, a, <laughs> couple <laughs> of bonus, there's a couple of bonuses I didn't put in there. We can roll. Okay, yeah, let's, let's go there. through the bo-
1: I, I, we, Let's go through the bonuses. Then we can review the, the bonus list, yeah. round
0: that didn't make it. Is if your team miss if any player misses all free throws on the free throw line the total misses are minus points so if he misses three free throws it's now miss it's now minus three points so i cannot stand this clanking of free throw phenomenon we have at times we missed two free throws it's not a nil it's minus two
1: so my the issue with that rule would be what happens with the now hack a shack type of stuff we gotta how about find we a way just to balance make some that. shots I, well that's been that's been the case that's been the whole argument for getting rid of the hack of Chevrolet, right is you just got to make your free throws but we know these players can they work on their free throws right it's not like dwight howard fair, didn't work fair. on his free okay, throws okay, okay. right this guy you're was right. making a hundred right. out stopping. of a hundred i'm stopping right. i'm stopping.
0: <laughs> three personal fouls that's it three, three personal, personal fouls. fouls yep is
1: what that's then you're, you're out done. yeah Wow, 3 I mean guys pick up 3000 in the first quarter pretty quickly. I don't like that one. That that just limits then then everyone's going to be playing real soft defense. I okay. mean, 3000 you're done. I mean, the it, one foul in the first 5 minutes you're on the bench.
0: We got we got <laughs> two more cool ones. A contact zone. So forget a charge arc. It's a free contact zone. Anything mm. within the charge arc, the the wall rule no longer exists. Hands can come down, you can initiate contact on defense. It cannot be flagrant, but you can chest into an opponent vertically within the Okay, so you circle. still
1: have to keep the verticality kind of foundation it, there. It, you can't it, just be like hacking a guy and all oh, you're in the contact like, zone, no foul.
0: But it, it's not <laughs> like, like that's crazy. It's like a defensive player. Like you can mm. he's, he's now defensible. So you can still hit the guy. Like it's not the same contact as a defenseless player, defenseless player in football, but you can still contact the guy. That's so an
1: interesting idea. I feel like it's still it's still very much kind of that way now. No, like I feel like as long as you're standing vertically. And if, you're the, forward, if you're in the in the charge guy,
0: circle, that's immediate and one. I got
1: to refresh my my rule knowledge. Any, if that's know, the like, case, then I think for sure, then yeah, that should, you should be able to contact the offensive player if he's in that charge circle. You should be able to at least, if you're going vertically, make sure there can be a little bit of contact there because then... What else is the defender really supposed to do? I guess rotate earlier and be in position on time. But
0: all right, the know, last three we, we got to real give real the
1: defense a, a, a bit more help here. Last three, <laughs> everything's real real so real quick. catered toward
0: offense. Speeding, I don't want you to talk through this. I'm just speed up. I'm trying to get some urgency here. I don't want you to gather your thoughts. I don't Let's want you go talking go off away. The cup. Yeah. Elam yeah. Elam ending.
1: Elam ending. Love it. I'm all for it. I think it makes the game so fucking fun, makes it so dynamic. You're looking at how the all-star game is played now with the Elam ending. The all-star game is entertaining now in the fourth quarter. Like it's tense. It's fun. I love that rule. Um, It makes your sub patterns way more interesting, makes the end of games way more aggressive. I'm all about the Elam rule. I know the purists probably won't want to see this thing implemented in real NBA basketball, but I I think it would be an amazing addition and a cool way to kind of refresh the league and um, I, I'm 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 all about it. I love the ELIM ending
0: four on four.
1: No, no four on four. Give me the five. I need five on five. Four on four is too much space. We're gonna see even more injuries. Keep keep five on five.
0: Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> You're <laughs> telling me I can't think, dog. I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> all right. The last one is home court. So I, I love the idea when I played backyard baseball growing up on the video game that you could like have certain things take place, like cards you could play. I'd love to like remove the backboard for five minutes in a game <laughs> or, or like,
1: <laughs> or, so, so we're or talking like about some, spe- some special ball,
0: increase your some... hoop size for five minutes for like to double the size of the hoop.
1: All right, so how how do these rules get activated? So what to needs to happen it. for the backboard to to be removed?
0: You have to have like five blocks in a game. Like <laughs> oh, so blocks, is every
1: game going to be different too? Each game is a different set yeah, like we, of you know, objectives like the old to get for NFL
0: free. blitz, where like tch, 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 really yeah. the random you get like giant players on accident. Yeah,
1: at the beginning, the three you get little three icon cards c- that come up, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah and like randomly drawn. Like if you hit four threes in a row for five minutes the hoop is now twice the size or like um if you have like four dunks in a row there's now three seconds inside the arc so it's like <laughs> three in the arc dude. So it's like super encouraging just more yams and it's only for your side for five three minutes see Unless this you, is what
1: the nba should be doing with the g league max you need to be in their creatives department you got like uh, these new rule changes
0: you get four steals you get now seven defenders you get two guys who just sit on defense <laughs> you
1: <laughs> oh my god um well i gotta just off this just came to me when you were, described that i actually was talking about this with a couple of my old teammates what what if the nba implemented hockey substitution rules yeah
0: i thought about that there's
1: no stoppage you, it's well, just you can sub guys in and out as europe the game does that ahead.
0: with inbounds, right europe is a live mm-hmm. inbound uh live out of bounds, isn't it i think you just pick up I, i'd have to i'd have to familiarize like soccer myself with those people
1: rules I mean, I, I, those ideas are interesting. Um, I mean, it just completely changed the way basketball is played and your whole thinking of of the game. So it, it'll never happen, but it's fun to think about, God, could you imagine like a whole line swap in transition and then trying to get back to your matchups and figure out who the hell you're guarding? That would
0: be that would be insane. That's what these other leagues should do. That's my take on it. Not G League on the NBA, but like some of these auxiliary leagues. Have some fun. Play a different brand of basketball. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. That's all we have for the podcast today. Thanks friend of the show, producer of the show, Mr. Brendan Ryder. Thank well, you. Thank Peter. you Max for
1: having me. It's uh, been a pleasure. I love listening to you and Shane. Shane, miss you man. Don't worry, I'm just I'm just keeping the seat warm for you. Um but yeah, excited for what you guys have been coming up with and um thank you guys all for listening.